1: Hello and welcome to another Arse blog ArsCast on ArsBlog.com in association, as always, with my good friends at OleOle.com, the football community website. Uh, what an action-packed, all-action, mega-action, laugh-a-minute riot of a show I've got for you today. That's what I would be saying if I had an all-action, mega-action, laugh-a-minute riot of a show. I'm just, you know, practicing for the next time we have one of those. Or the first time we have one. Coming up between now and the end, a blog chat with Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com in which we discuss uh, Birmingham, the upcoming game against Fulham, uh, La Sanna Diarra and Matthew Flamini, uh, amongst other things. Although that could be all the things. Eh, well, maybe there's a surprise in there. Who knows? Uh, the man in the bar is here. He has got a player history. Uh, Ebue is here. What else is there? Oh, some talk radio and a few other bits and pieces as well, as per usual. Um... Still no beer of the week, or wine of the week, or gin of the week, or whiskey of the week, or rum of the week, or methylated spirits of the week, or no alcohol whatsoever of the week. Uh, I, I had one beer last Saturday night. That was it. One beer. I was driving, so I could only have the one. And that's the sum total of my booze intake since New Year's Eve. When in fairness, I did drink enough to keep me going through until probably around April. So uh, it's quite good. I'm feeling uh, feeling all right. No headaches in the mornings, which is good, can get up. So I'm having some kind of flavoured juice drink tonight. Mmm, it's juicy and it's it's not beer or pochine or or anything like that. It's been a very quiet week though, hasn't it? it really has. After the Birmingham game, which uh, we'll touch on now in just a couple of minutes, uh, they seem to have go, sort of gone in into a little shell, a little hiding away sort of thing where there's no news coming out of the club. The only thing that came out was Lissana Diarra, and, and that's something I'll discuss with Gilberto Silver. Uh, but apart from that, um, it's just been deadly quiet. Maybe it's because we've been so used to having a midweek game. I think this is the first time we haven't had a midweek game since 1816. So... um you know, becomes the norm and you're used to all the news and bits and pieces that are happening during the week. Or indeed, it could be, it could be that Arsene has been keeping them behind for extra training and, and running laps of stuff. I always hated running laps of stuff. Pitches, I suppose they'd be running laps of. I was trying to think what it was they would run laps of, not swimming pools. Nope. Pitches. That's generally what footballers do, isn't it? Um, And that's all on the back of the performance against uh, Birmingham uh, last weekend. A game we really should have won, but didn't. Um, A bit careless in the first part of the the second half. It wasn't a game we ever looked like losing. But once they got a goal back, it wasn't a game we really looked like winning either. uh, Which is a shame. And, you know, you drop two points at home. It happens, of course it happens, but um, Arsene's comments after the game were very pointed about how he uh, was unimpressed with the performance and unimpressed with the lack of uh, concentration on the pitch, etc., etc., etc. So I reckon he's got them doing extra training and doing lines, 100 lines. I must mark my man at corner. I must not duck out of headers. I must score a winning goal. Yeah. So there you go, 100 lines. That'd, That'd make me perform in the next game, I have to say. I always hated doing lines. We had a poetry teacher in English one time, and if you you had to memorize sections of poems, uh and if you couldn't remember them, he'd make you write it out. I remember uh, one time getting a, a big chunk of Paradise Lost uh to to write out about 50 times. And each one was about two pages of foolscap. It was a pain in the arse. And can I remember that section of Paradise Lost? No, I fucking can't. But it would probably have made me play football better. That was my point originally, I think. I seem to have rather um, lost my train of thought there. But anyway, we were talking about Birmingham disappointing, blah, blah, blah. Theo Walcott struggling out on the right-hand side, and uh, I think he is going to continue to struggle out there. Uh, hopefully, though, all this experience will be doing him some good uh, for when he gets a chance to play through the middle, because I think that's probably uh, where he's best. Um, and Leb, Leb was very good in the first half, but Cesc is, uh, you know, he's just going through that little dip Peaks and troughs, isn't it? Footballers in their careers and their form. Uh, and he's uh, started the season so well. He's now having a little dip. And I think uh, he'll come back. And I, I, I'm going to put some money on Sesk to score against Fulham. That's what I think. He'll be back, most definitely. Thomas ruzitski also uh, will be back. But um, Robin Van Persie, who we'll touch on a bit later, is not going to be back which is bad news, but well, that's uh, something for a bit later on. So anyway, to talk a little bit more about uh, Fulham this weekend and Birmingham last weekend and, of course, what's happened with La Diarra Diara this week, uh, we'll talk to Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog.com. Hello to you, sir.
2: Hello to you.
1: The big news, I suppose, this week, or the main news, or the only news, in fact, has yeah. been La Diarra, Diara, um, who made his position quite clear before Christmas. He wanted to leave the club. Uh, to most Arsenal fans, it seemed very strange because you could see that chances would be coming. But he's gone to Portsmouth for somewhere in the region of five and a half million pounds. What, what do you make of the whole situation?
2: I just think it's unbelievably short-sighted on his part or his agent's part. I mean, you know, I really rate him as a player. I thought he was a steal from Chelsea, to be honest. I thought we did well to get him in. I thought he... Played well on most of the occasions, he be given a chance, and it was clear to me at least that, like you say, if he stuck around, more and more opportunities would come. He played 13 times so far, which, considering he only arrived on transfer deadline day, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, I think he's made a mistake. He's, he's short term thinking he's worrying about the European Championships, but if he was to get into the Arsenal team over the next 12 months, which I believe he's perfectly capable of doing, he'd be playing potentially in the France side for the rest of his career.
1: So, what what can you say about a guy who's, not his ambition, let's say, but his, his, uh, his method of thinking is really that short term? Because it shows, after four months of being at a club, a, a little bit of a lack of character uh, if you're not willing to fight. And maybe Arsene Wenger, he didn't want him to go, but perhaps his decision was made a little bit easier by the fact that Diara's character uh, was that way, that he would give up after four months. Can you fully trust a guy on the pitch um, whose attitude is like that off the pitch?
2: Well, I wonder, I mean, how much does he believe in his own ability? I mean, you know, we read the comments of Sebastian Larson saying that he didn't think he was good enough for Arsenal. Um, I I can't see if this is the same thing with Diara, but at the same time, if you believe yourself to be worth a first-team place, then surely you must believe that when the time comes for you, you will grasp that opportunity and make the step up. If you look at Flamini, for example, he clearly felt... You know, disheartened by not playing. But when the opportunity came to him, he took it, and now he's an integral part of the side. Unfortunately, it seems Diarra doesn't share that mental toughness.
1: Speaking of Flamini, he still hasn't signed a new contract yet. Talks are apparently ongoing, but um, I don't know that anybody's uh, tremendously uh, positive about uh, about the way things are going. It would be uh, a bit of a shame having seen Diarra left or uh, Diarra leave, rather, if, uh, if Flamini was to go in the summer and not sign a new contract?
2: Well, I think that's certainly true. I mean, to lose one is a shame. To lose two would be in a bit of a rocky position because Gilberto looks to be on the way out, certainly, you know, he's fallen out of favour, and he's not doesn't look quite the same player he was when he had the captain's armband, you know. Uh, Diara looked like a potential long-term option in there and certainly family at the moment does but from from the side it doesn't look good you sort of can't help but feel if it was going to be done the new contract it might have happened by now i think getting it done before january for example would have been a very sensible thing to happen and the fact that it hasn't raises some concerns about where he certainly sees his future lying and we might look a little light there come the summer
1: do you think though perhaps Arsene Wenger wouldn't have been uh, as willing to let Diarra go if he thought Flamini wouldn't sign on. If you could say to Diarra, look, I don't think Matthew's going to stay, uh, therefore we're not going to sell you or we won't sell you, uh, maybe he is more confident in, in Flamini's uh, long-term future at Arsenal than, than than we are.
2: I think that's a really good point because I don't think Arsene is the kind of guy to let something go unplanned. Whenever you let somebody go, he's always got an option. You know, in the case of... You know, Henri, he knew that he had had a bile coming through and behind that, Bender and Vela. So there's always some backup plan. He does have other options still. He does still have Gilberto, so like I say. There's De Nielsen there. I mean, I suppose even Song and then Maria Randall, Lansbury. But they seem to be quite a long way off. He must have something up his sleeve in order to have gone through with a transfer like this because we'll be fine until the end of the season, you would imagine. But after that, we might be in a bit of a sticky situation.
1: True indeed Well let's look, uh, let's look back for a moment if we will On, on the Birmingham performance And uh, two points dropped at home And these things happen from time to time um, But sure. the performance in general uh, Was probably, probably the worst of the season um, mm. And Arson suggested that there was maybe A touch of complacency uh, in the side uh, Because it's been so quiet this week and, and we've really heard nothing He's probably got the, uh, the knuckle duster out And he's been bashing them into place Ahead of the Fulham game
2: Well, the complacency I think was there before, the West Ham game, the 2-0. I think 2-0 slightly flattered us. We played, it wasn't that we played poorly, but we were always in second gear. You know, we always had an opportunity to step on and improve if necessary. But we never did, we never had to. Unfortunately, we went into the Birmingham game with much the same approach and it really didn't work out for us because they had, with a lot of fight, they defended well. And ultimately, you know, they got one chance, they scored. It happens we didn't defend well enough. The concentration wasn't there. I think Arsenal knew that. You know, like you say, his pre-match comments were very much along that line. And I think Gail Clichy actually came out and said that Fenger said to them at half time, you know, concentrate, don't concede the first 15 minutes of this half. You know, it's essential we keep our lead. And the players didn't do that. So there may be a bit of complacency setting in. I think it's lucky in some ways that that's arisen now and that hopefully we can put that to bed and get our focus back on the games.
1: What do you think maybe um, our struggles, not struggles so much, but the fact that we haven't really been clicking as a team since that first half at, at Aston Villa? Yeah. Um, we've seen maybe uh, Cesc, He's been out for a little time injured. Fleb, has been out for a little time injured. Rosicki's been in and out of the side. And uh, I suppose, arguably, there are three most creative players, along with the long-term absence, of course, of, uh, of Robin van Persie. Do we need those guys to start performing again in order to, to get back to the level we were at?
2: I mean, we do. I think there's something else going on as well, which is that in that second half against Aston Villa, Villa showed the rest of the premiership, a good way to combat playing Arsenal. I think up until that point, we were sort of, not underestimated, but we weren't as heavily regarded as sort of big title contenders. This season, a lot of people wrote us off, you know. And I think that worked to our favour in the early part of the month. We were surprising a lot of people with the way we played. After Villa, in that second half, you know, had that combative tough attack and closing us down, no space. I mean, we've seen it before, but it's, in recent weeks, a lot of managers have followed that trend. And it's inhibited the likes of Fabregas and Cleb. But saying that, I still think there has been a little dip in form from those creative players. But I, the problem is that because of the way they play in the triangles, that if one is slightly dipping, they all tend to suffer. Mm. And I think it's vital. If we are going to win something, it's really vital that that sort of creative time that it clicks and starts scoring goals, crucially. Are you
1: expecting the same kind of thing from Fulham this weekend? That kind of uh, tactic against us, because Fulham um, are, are capable of scoring goals, but uh, they nobody better this season of letting leads slip. Um, unless they turn it around, they're looking seriously at relegation. So it's going to be a scrap.
2: It is. I mean, I think in some ways we can turn the tables on Fulham because they recently came out said so they can't really afford to buy any players who are under six foot two, which is absolutely true. They've sold the likes of Jupp and Knight. And the vast majority of their players are under 5 foot 10. So if we go in, you know, with a lot of our sort of athletic, powerful, fast players, they may find that very difficult to cope with. And I think tomorrow that could be our best chance. I mean, they will, they're in a, the problem is there are eight teams or something like that who could be dragged into a relegation scrap already at this stage of the season. So there's a lot of teams out there fighting for points. There's not a lot of sort of mid-table mediocrity happening. It's quite a big, you know, divide. So every game has that sort of cup final quality at the moment. And uh, we are a much better side than Fulham. But they've got a lot of reason to, you know, try and get some points tomorrow. So it could be a tricky one.
1: Three points or not? What do you reckon?
2: Uh, Usually I'd say three points. I mean, I think after Birmingham you'd expect a reaction from the players and uh, we've got an alright record at Fulham so yeah, I'm going to say three points
1: Okay, alright, we know who to blame if it doesn't happen uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Silver, thank you very much Thank you Are you having problems with owls? Every time you go in the back garden there's an owl up in a tree giving it large It gets depressing But don't be depressed any longer Owl Punches is here to help Just call us and we'll come round Find the owl and punch its fucking face in. Owl punches. We just really like to punch owls.
3: Welcome to Talk shied Radio, talking shite about sport, 24 hours a day. Here we are, a week when the Premier League welcomes back Kevin Keegan, truly one of England's greatest sons. We see once again why Arsene Wenger is the most despised manager in football history. He even turns on his own. You'd never get an English manager treating an English player the way Arsene Wenger has treated Lassana Diara. He was brought to Arsenal, and I can exclusively tell you that He was promised first-team starts. He was promised a Lamborghini, a small island off the West Hebrides. Even though he didn't want it, he was promised it. As well as that, he was supposed to have an endless supply of those lovely, jammy, spongy puddings that you boil in a tin. You know the ones. He loved them. Did he get any? No, he did not. We're taking your phone calls to discuss the situation. On the line now, Mick from London. Mick. Yellow yeah, hello there. Uh, I'm a Chelsea fan, and I have to say, when Diarra left us, I was gutted. I really was. He was, a, he was a top player, model pro, came in, never a day's hassle with him, and when he went to Arsenal, I thought, ah, oh, bloody hell, he's going to do well there. But I didn't consider Arsene Wenger. What a muppet. Got no man management skills, you see, so uh, fair play to Diarra off down to Portsmouth. Enjoy it, son. Thank you for your phone call there, Mick. Uh, very interesting points indeed. Just some breaking news coming through to us at Talk Shite Radio here. It's believed that Arsene Wenger has been arrested for raping a baby badger that he stole from his mother's set this afternoon. He went for a walk in the woods and he took a badger and he raped it. What's it? Sorry, getting a word in my ear here, it wasn't Arsene Beger, it was actually Stan Collymore. Anyway, the point still applies. We'll be right back after this break with the second part of our exclusive serialization, Joey Barton. I did not get bummed in prison. Talk radio, talking shy about sport 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day.
1: So on with the next exciting part of this week's Arscast, which is, um, which is this bit, although I'm not quite sure what it's all about yet. Arsenal TV, have you been watching? You have. Are you enjoying it? Lucky you. You can get it. I thought I had it. I thought, yeah, I subscribed to the Satanta Sports Pack, and it's all mentioned there. Arsenal TV, but no, I'm on NTL, uh, so they don't have it. So I did fire off a couple of emails, like Gunnar Hollick. Uh, on his site, you can follow the saga better on him because he's been uh, he's been nailing Virgin to the wall in a in a literal sense, and all also a, a biblical sense. So he's he's taking one for the team here, folks. But uh, the situation is that is that I can't get it, which is a bit of a pain, because I was looking forward to watching endless repeats of reserve matches and interviews with people like Remy Gard and Chris Cuomia. Anyway, I'm sure when we do get it, it'll be top quality indeed. Just to remind you that OleOle.com is a sponsor of the Arscast and it's a football community website where you can set up your own blog. You can uh, also do uh, videos. You can upload videos like YouTube. Uh, or if you're one of those people on Facebook... You're one of those, and I'm not, but if you are, you can get an oleole.com widget uh, or application for Facebook, uh, which sort of plugs into your Facebook and makes you even more awesome and whatever, whatever it is that Facebook does for you. It expands that. It makes it better. A whole experience. Yep. So that's it. So click on to oleole.com for more details on how to join the community and check out the podcast there as well. It's very, very, very good. I can tell you uh, now though the man in the bar has got a uh, player history
4: so i said to you man he's so thick if you put him in a room full of shovels and told him to take his pick he'd stand there scratching his head for a week <laughs> True. Ah, ah, hello! There you are again, Mr. Arse Blogger, and it's time for another old player history right here on this, um, Cast thing you're talking about. I'm gonna be a little bit controversial this week, a little bit current, topical. I'm like Ben Elton, except I'm not a big stupid fucking cunt. This week we're talking about a fella who's just left the club this very week. That's right, it's the fella with the strangest head in the land, La Diarra. He only joined Arsenal at the end of August and by mid-December he was troublemaking and looking for a move and saying he wasn't getting enough playing time on the old pitch. What a strange young man he turned out to be. But I can give you an exclusive. We can go back in time and explore in depth the character that made Lasana Diara the type of person he is today. You see, when Lesana Diarra was ten years of age, he was waiting and waiting for Christmas because he really wanted this jigsaw puzzle. And the jigsaw itself was a 50-piece puzzle of Didier Cease and Michel Platini locked in a passionate embrace, possibly after scoring a goal, although perhaps not. That part's not really relevant though. Anyway, the point is that he was waiting and waiting and he came to Christmas Day and there, wrapped in beautiful paper with a ribbon on top, was this 50-piece puzzle. And he took it out. Oh, he was so happy. And he put it on the table and he started it. And then he realized it was a little bit difficult. Not terribly difficult, just a little bit difficult. So he said to Mr. and Mrs. Tiara this is not acceptable. I do not want a jigsaw puzzle that is a little bit difficult. I want a tremendously easy jigsaw puzzle. Take this one back at once and they said but son it's Christmas day and he said I don't give a shite what day it is. If you don't go off and get me a new jigsaw puzzle I'll give you the back of me hand then the front of me hand then the back of me hand again and that's what I think. I want a one piece jigsaw puzzle. A one piece puzzle straight away because I can do that without anything Difficulty whatsoever. So poor old Mr. and Mrs. Tiara had to trawl the streets of France to find a shop which sold a one piece jigsaw puzzle on Christmas Day. It took them ages, but they found it, and you see, that is what has made La Santa Tiara the spineless little characterless prick that he is today. Anything that's a little bit difficult, he's not interested. He just says, no, I don't want to. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, he can fuck off to Portsmouth as far as I'm concerned. And when he realises it's too difficult to run the eight miles around Saul Campbell, he can fuck off somewhere else. It's true.
1: The man in the bar will be back with another player history on next week's Arscast. Now, all that's left really to do is look ahead to the game against Fulham. Tomorrow, at Craven Cottage, this weekend's fixtures are a repeat of the first days, the opening days fixtures in the Premier League, uh, and on that day, uh, we had a little bit of trouble with Fulham, in the sense that uh, we gave them a goal, it precipitated the downfall of Jens Lehmann, um and uh, it was a late goal from Alexander Hleb that won the game way back on that first day of the season. So uh, Fulham have kind of continued that trend throughout the season, scoring first and then letting teams back into it uh, and losing a lot. So they're kind of in big trouble. So they are, as you said, with Gilberto Silver, uh, going to be scrapping away uh, like good things. So it's going to be a difficult game. Whether or not they sit all those men behind the ball straight from the off uh, remains to be seen. But you have to think they'll probably, uh, they'll probably think a point from this game even though it's at home, would be more than enough to set them back on track and try and get out of the relegation zone. In terms of the team, we are, of course, uh, without the players at the African Nation Cup. That's Kolo Touré, Alex Song, and Emmanuel Eboué. Now it's time to be at
3: home with Emmanuel Eboué. Oh, yeah.
1: Welcome
3: to my home. I am Ebue. Ebue like biscuit. Top three a boy biscuit number one penguin a boy like to pick up a pick up a penguin number two jammy dodger remind a boy of a boy career number three a boy biscuit custard cream a boy like custard but not man custard. You go now. Tune in next week for more At Home with a boy. Oh, baby.
1: As well as that, uh, Johan Juru is out with a groin problem. And Robin Van Persie is out for what Arsene Wenger says is a few weeks. Um, he came back in the Carlin Cup semi final, um, played for 45 minutes. We thought he got taken off because he was just tired and he'd been out for so long and it was good to give him 45 minutes. And then he got the flu and apparently lost somewhere in the region of half a stone with this kind of gastric flu. that be because of all the pooing he did. Uh, but he came back and now he has a thigh injury and he's going to be out for another few weeks. It's kind of getting depressing now regarding Robin. It's a bit of a treat when he plays. The, the the potential he has, the talent he has is unbelievable. He's a brilliant player. He's so creative. And you can see when he comes back oh, what, what sort of a difference he makes. He's got just that little bit of creative edge that the other strikers uh, don't have. But he spends at least half a season, every season, out injured. Now, I'm not writing him off by any means. Absolutely not. I, I hope... Uh, that he's just had the worst run of bad luck of all time. But you can look at Robin Van Persie and say uh, he's reliable in the sense that he's going to be fit for most of your games. So I don't know. I suppose Arsene Wenger has got to look at this situation um, if it goes on, uh, if the same thing happens next season, for example, or if he goes between now and the end of the season without really getting a run back in the team. I suppose he has to look at the underlying causes or whether or not uh, we can count on Robin Van Persie as much as we would like to you see. So it's a bit depressing, it's a bit sad. Hopefully, though, it's just a series of niggly things, and he'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. Do I expect three points? I expect a reaction from the team after the Birmingham game because of the performance, because of what Arsene Wenger said, because of what the players said, because of the way the fans have been feeling. You look at the 1-1 draw we had, uh, and United go out and beat Newcastle 6-0. It all gets a little bit depressing then. But, of course, United have had their bad results. They lost to Bolton. They lost to West Ham. They've lost to Man City this season. They drew to Portsmouth as well. So it's up and downs and swings and roundabouts, and I'm hopeful that our our up will be up this uh this weekend, and the roundabout will be spinning like a like a top, but not so spinny that it would make you vomit, if you know what I mean. So that's tomorrow's game uh, against Fulham. And that's about it from this week's cast So until the next cast have yourselves a good weekend. Here's the three points. Talk to you all next week on the blog. Goodbye.
3: Are you having
1: problems with Spurs fans? Every time you go to work, there's one there talking about the great Tottenham tradition in 1961 and how they play football the right way, even though they haven't won a trophy in a hundred years. It gets depressing. But don't be depressed, just call Spurs punchers. We'll come round, we'll find the Spurs fan, and we'll knock his block off. But wait, there's more. We'll even knock the blocks off Chelsea fans, or Man United fans, or Liverpool fans,
3: or even Crystal Palace fans. You tell us who to punch, and we'll punch them. Spurs Punchers. We just really like to punch people.